We are live in three, two, one. Well, welcome back to uh, the Best Day Kitchen. If you have uh, not been uh, with us every single time, or you can catch up on any episodes at bestdaykitchen.org. And um, all of the episodes are streaming now, and this episode, of course, will be streaming Tuesday if you want to share it with your friends or invite your friends. So if you're out there, uh, welcome. It's Tuesday for you. It's Sunday for us. This entire series, guys, has been about taking this incredibly amazing chocolate cake that Heidi invented or got the recipe, old family recipe from Mexico, the lightest, richest, deepest, most incredible cake. Most of you got a piece last week, so you know how cool it is, and you may have noticed how incredibly light it is, too. But it's also about us baking up a better, bitter-free life, right? Just baking up a better, bitter-free life. And so all along the way, we've been looking at this incredible chocolate cake as our illustration and looking at the science and how to make the cake, and then also looking uh, at just our lives. But when we're finished, we're going to be giving away this KitchenAid mixer. On week seven, you will bring your cake if you want to compete. Whoever makes the best cake, judge based on like the design, sticks with the theme, is true to the recipe, maybe adds a little bit. That's how the last winner won. They added bacon. Uh, but however, and you'll win. That'll be week seven. So that's just three weeks from now. And we'll give you more details uh, coming up. So as we begin, I, I want to just remind everybody, studio audience and live audience, that this all comes from the book of Philemon. The, the bitter free life, the better bitter free life comes from the book of Philemon. And it's just actually a letter that Paul, this incredible believer, wrote to Philemon, who'd been done wrong. And the, the wrong he was done was done by Onesimus, his servant slash slave, who ran away and left him, abandoned him. Not that it's just kind of against the law and just not right, but it created a situation for Philemon to be bitter, to have a lot of opportunity. But Philemon was living this out in front of his community, and he was a leader in the church. He's living it in front of his church. And Paul's writing this letter to Philemon to say, listen, you got you to gotta deal with this. You got to be able to take this guy back. Because what happened is Onesimus ran away. And when Onesimus ran away, he ran into Paul, who was in jail. And Paul won him to the Lord. He got saved. Then Paul began to feed into his life. And the, Philemon, the letter is written to Philemon to send back with Onesimus, as Onesimus goes back to make things right, to say I shouldn't have left and to reconcile. So that's kind of the foundation of everything that we're doing. And as we launch today in episode four, we're gonna look at the special ingredient to Heidi's chocolate cake and the special ingredient that um, just will help us have a better, bitter-free life. And both of these are critical. I'm gonna warn you, they're both counterintuitive as well. So uh, we have already measured out all the dry ingredients here and sifted them together because last week uh, we had difficulty doing this live in the time frame we were allotted. So we have already got these things ready. I want to invite Erica is going to come up and help me uh, mix up this cake this morning. <laughs> come on, just give her a round of applause. All right. Okay, good. They got an apron for you guys. Get her outfitted. That'd be awesome. So, uh, what Erica's going to do as we get her on stage is she's just going to go ahead and begin to mix up this cake. So uh, the first thing she's going to do is take these dry ingredients. Do you guys remember what they were? Flour, baking soda, baking powder, right? All these different ingredients. And you can get those because on the backside of the wall as you come in in the entry to the studio, you'll see every piece of the recipe that we've revealed. So these have all been sifted together in a tremendous way. Over here, you're good? Yeah. All right, awesome. There's your dry ingredients. Now, we're also, she's going to mix up this, which is vanilla. We've already pre-measured your eggs for you. 
your milk and the water. Got it? Got it. Okay, so um, have you been paying attention? Yeah, you missed <laughs> last week when we mixed it up. So this is good for you. Okay, so, so cool. you want to, there you go. Go ahead and get ready. So while Erica begins to mix these up, we'll put the wet ones in about three minutes, then we'll add the dry in case you don't have the recipe in front of you. And we don't have the recipe on the counter, so you better hope I know what I'm doing. All right, good. So, um, yeah. Start yeah, any, you want you should just you should just make this happen. That's awesome. So while Erica does that, what I want to kind of do is just recap because it's really important that we know where we've been to to where we're going to be today. Okay. So in in episode one, what we looked at was all the ingredients that we're doing right now of the cake, and what we did, we tasted them individually, and only like one or two of them were even tolerable. And we saw this idea that you could take these totally intolerable ingredients and put them together, right, and end up with this incredibly great cake. Now. The, the biblical lesson we learned was this, was trust God to make bitter better. Medium. There you go. So trust God to make bitter better, right? And we looked at that verse that said God takes all things, right? And he does what? He can use them for those who love him to make life better, okay? He uses them all for good. In episode two, we looked at the science of chocolate cake, which we're gonna look at again today. In fact, the science is what we're gonna leverage today to make our cake as light and fluffy, in fact, lighter and fluffier than just about any cake you'll ever try. It's an incredible, special ingredient. But we looked at the science of how the baking soda and the baking powder work together and they get the acid out and everything becomes sweet. We also looked at in that, we looked at verses four to six or four to seven of Philemon as Paul just talked to Philemon and said, he gave him three instructions. He said this, so you have the ingredients, right, of a better life, better free life, which are grace and peace and a relationship with me. And then he said to him this, so now take that relationship with God, that grace and that peace, take it and be kind, love and forgive. Those were the three methods, the science as it were, of living a better, better free life. And then so last week, we talked just about the super bitter ingredients and how really hard it is, how difficult it is for us to take these ingredients and be willing to put them in the cake. And we also said this, the bitter, seemingly bitter ingredient in a bitter-free life is being ready to reconcile. And that was from verses 8 to 12 of Philemon, because the, the whole point here is this, is that it's really not done until you're ready to reconcile. Now, like, if you were bitter at me, you bitter at me? Absolutely. Absolutely bitter. Do you want to reconcile? Wait, no. No, you don't. Okay. So, but the point is, I need to be ready to reconcile, because one day, you, you're, you're ready now? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. So we got to be ready to reconcile. If I'm not, what it's showing is that I still have bitterness in my life, right? All right, so that's where we've been kind of in the, the last three weeks. It's probably been three minutes. It's been you, two minutes and 23 seconds. 22 minutes, the studio clock. It's good? Okay, well, that's awesome. Well, we're gonna just kill 27 seconds, and then you're gonna begin to dump those ingredients into there, just a little at a time. How about I get you a, a, a slotted spoon? Is there something you'd prefer? How about this? Okay. Well, okay, but you can just tip the bowl. Here, let me show you. I'll tip, you scrape. You ready? Okay, good. Awesome. You be doing this together? Okay. So when we get done with all this, we're going to end up with what? Cake mix. Cake batter. Cake mix. That's what you get in a box at the store. Is that how you bake? You don't bake. Great. Neither do I. We're in trouble. Okay, so, but you're going to get cake batter, right? And what we hope is that, we're hazing the room. I We're know. now 
I'm a multi-mega church. All right. Hayes. All right, good. So as this, as this mixes up, what we're hoping is that when we begin to reveal this, when we begin to reveal this batter, you can take those, what we're going to end up with is a good, thick-looking cake batter, right? Okay. Now, how many of you have seen the crazy things they add to cakes to make them richer and better? Does any, has anybody seen any of those recipes? For example, they add avocados. Believe it or not, it, it, it's, it's tasteless when combined with other things, but it, it adds this depth. This one was a little counter to me, which is sour cream. I don't think that would get it, but if you, if you think about it, we have all kinds of acids and other things in our batter that are gonna counteract that kind of you know, sour taste. This one, I can't imagine. Mayonnaise. I love mayonnaise. They take a piece of cake and spread mayonnaise on it? No. Now, this one I'm super fond of, but this, I can't imagine this, and it doesn't make it richer, but this is Cafe Bustello, which is espresso. It actually just changes the flavor, so they never claim. So have you guys seen any of these in the studio audience? Have you seen any of these ads? No? Yeah? Okay, cool. Well, we're adding none of them. Not, not one of those are we adding. Those are not our secret ingredients. In fact, let's just show you this batter and see if it looks like what we think we want. Yeah, why not? Magic. Magic. Uh, just let it drip. We're good. Somebody also clean the kitchen. <laughs> good. So this is, huh? The, the cooks don't clean. You're exactly right. Every spoon is slotted. It's really not my fault. Okay. So what we really want, right, you would think, is for our batter to be like this, right? Because that's going to give us a good cake. Now, we know in here are baking powder and baking soda. Both are going to do some leavening. In fact, already, because the baking powder is wet, it is doing what? It's creating what? CO2. And we already had the egg in before we started the dry. So the egg is creating these little shells for that CO2 to get trapped in. The sugars are also helping with that structure. The flour is not doing much. It's going to provide the superstructure for those bubbles. Does that make sense? Okay. So the thing that we're going to add, though, is not going to be avocados. And we're not going to add mayonnaise. We're going to add something so absolutely counterintuitive to this that, um, well, you want us to just do it. Let's do it. Grab that measuring cup right there. What we're going to add is a cup of boiling water. And I want you to watch what it does as Erica puts this back into, as Erica puts that back into the mixer, I want to show you what this is going to do. And can you guess? Like, it's going to do what? It's going to turn it to... It's going to... Yeah, you might not want to go high. Yeah, there you go. Not high, but medium would be, be great. Remember, you don't bake. And I bake a lot, so I know. Okay, good. Now let's show them. All right, good. Now, the difference that you see between... That's, this is a fancy mixer that you're going to... It locks the bowl. It's really incredible. But look. So the question is, how does that work? It's the science behind it. The boiling water we just added is supercharging the CO2 production. And Erica is going to take this. She's going to run back to the kitchen where the oven is preheated. And she's going to stick it in the preheated oven. Which means what? Because we know that the baking powder is double acting. It started getting going when it got wet. But when you add heat to it, so you stick it in the oven, right? As it heats, it makes more CO2. But when you add boiling water to it, 
it jump starts it crazy, then you put it in the oven. And believe it or not, this soup is the cake, the big, fluffy, rich, deep cake that you ate last time. You gotta get this in the oven. Let's give a round of applause to Erica. Thank you so much. All right, so what we have is a secret degree that is boiling water, and um, I, we gave you cake last week so that you would be able to trust us this week when we tell you that the secret ingredient that actually seems very counterintuitive and turns it into just fluid actually makes us an incredibly deep, light, rich cake. But in order to do that, what you have to be willing to do is you have to be willing to put faith in the recipe, right, that it's been done before. Of course, we're on the web, we're at allrecipes.com. We're looking for the ones that have like four or five stars and about a 10,000 ratings, right? It builds our trust in it. We're going to have to put our faith in the recipe, but we also have to do what? We also have to trust the cook. We have to trust it. We gotta trust not just the methods and the ingredients, but we have to put, trust the cook that designed it. And of course, you can easily see where we're going with this because when it comes to baking up a better, better free life, we already said the ingredients were what? Grace and peace and a healthy relationship with God. In fact, Paul's an incredible Christian. He's writing to Philemon. He's sending him back Onesimus. This whole thing is shrouded in the idea that everybody is a believer. But it doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you if you're online and you're not a believer. You can apply these same principles without God and get results. You're just not gonna get the same results. But the question is, what is, the, what is that secret ingredient to end up with a better, bitter, free life that at the same time is so counterintuitive, it seems like it would create bitterness or destroy the process, but what it actually does is surprises us, works with God's science and the way he designed human beings, and actually creates a better, bitter, free life. Well, we're going to read a couple verses from this letter from Paul to Philemon. See if you can identify the secret ingredient. I wanted to keep Onesimus here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news. Paul's in jail, actually, for being a believer. And he would have helped me. He would have helped me on your behalf. In other words, Philemon, just on your behalf, like he would have helped me here. I'm in prison. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. I wanted, you, I wanted you to help because you're willing. In other words, I wanted you to do this because you're willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while. So what? That you could have him back forever. He's no longer a slave to you. He's just not like a slave. He's more than a slave for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you and me both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Okay, so this is what Paul writes to Philemon in these verses 13 to 16. This is, the, this is it. So what's he saying? Do you see it? Here's the secret ingredient. It's coming up. See if you can find in verse 15 the beginning of it. Where Paul says this, it seems you lost him for a little while so that you could have him back forever. So there's something very cool that he's alluding to here, which is that Onesimus was not gonna live forever until Onesimus got saved. And though Onesimus ran away and did something very wrong and abandoned his friends and his boss, no matter how wrong that is, newsflash, that's what wrong people do. Wrong people do wrong stuff. And we're supposed to be in the business of what? Helping people find their way. So he's like, 
he would never have lived forever. You may have lost him for a little while, but look what you got back. You got back a guy who's now what? Going to live forever. You guys will be together forever. Now that's kind of good news, but if Philemon can't get over his bitterness, that's at the same time bad news. So Onesimus is going back saved. Paul's shooting this big concept of Philemon and he's saying trials, bitter things may happen for a season, but they pass. And on the other side of them is this opportunity for God to do this incredible thing. Verse 16 opens up this way. It, 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 it says, he is more than a slave to you. He is a brother and not just a brother, but a beloved brother. So I gotta be honest, when I first started reading this and studying this, and every time I read stuff like this, it creates a problem for me, just a problem for me personally, because I really struggle with the concept of slavery in the Bible and in the biblical times, in the Old Testament times and the New Testament times. And I get it, I've done all the study, the historical study, and I get it that sometimes people were slaves, they were more like bond servants, and they allowed themselves to do it. They said, I wanna serve your house, or I'm in debt, and for a season, I will serve you. And, and that word that we often translate slave has so many nuances in Hebrew and Greek life, in early Christian life. But there are other times when it just means straight up slave. Now, don't get me wrong, I can show you 10 ways that God says he doesn't like slavery. Just go to Numbers where he says, I hate slavery. But it troubles me that in this world, even now, that Philemon, who's saved and leading a church, has, so we don't know. Was Onesimus a slave slave, or was he a bondservant slave? I don't know. But I just wanna be honest and say it troubles me. But then I just have to accept that that's where Philemon was, and look at what Paul says. But now he is what? More than a slave to you. He's no longer a slave. He's now your brother. I don't know if you see the beginning of that, but what he say, but he's kind of prepping Philemon. He's saying, you need to change your perspective. I don't care if he was your worker, kind of, you know, slave, servant, whether he was your bond servant, whether he was trying to pay off a debt, or whether he's really a slave. He's none of those things to you now. He is your beloved brother. So not only is Philemon have to get over the bitterness of what's been done to him in front of everybody, and he's got to work through those problems, but he also has to be willing to have this entire relationship change between he and Onesimus. And so what Paul is challenging Philemon to do here is to go above and beyond. What he's telling him to do is to begin to see things like God sees them. That, that there is no slave or free, there is no male, female, there is no you know, higher or lower with God. When we are Christians, once we're believers, we are believers. He's challenging him to trust God to take better and make it better. He's, he's, he's telling him, you need to be kind and you need to be loving and you need to be forgiving to Onesimus as he comes back because Onesimus has changed. And you need to be ready to reconcile with Onesimus. Why? Because Onesimus is reconciled with God and that's good enough. So you need to be ready. But then he tells him one more thing. He says what? You need to receive him back as a beloved brother. And what he's telling him to do is to extend fellowship. To extend fellowship. Now that's weird. If, if you're watching and you don't go to church, you're kind of like fellowship. And if you're in church, you probably think fellowship means we're eating, you know, or we're playing or whatever. But fellowship is actually a super interesting word. I've been reading this incredible paper I, I love, love to read, but it's called The Pirate Enlightenment. It's actually a, been turned into a book. Pirate Enlightenment is a, is a documentary or a, a scholarly paper that looks at pirates 
And you may be like, really? I got it because I was like, pirates. I like pirates. I was part of the Caribbean, plus I knew it was a nerd book. But I got it. But the Pirate Enlightenment is all about the political structure that pirates put into place as they became pirates. And there's things you may not realize. When you look at Pirates of the Caribbean, right, and they have their own little cities and towns, all these things are true. But pirates generally were outcasts. Pirates were the kind of people that we want here at our church. Pirates were the kind of people who were done with the system, were done with oppression, they were done with, done with the insanity of the political system. Some of them actually did bad things, they were horrible things, and they were escaping to find a new life. But they would get on a ship, and that's where this term comes from. You'd have a bunch of outlaws and re- rejects on a ship, and they were fellows on a ship. And they had to figure out how to live amongst each other. Well, they knew they didn't want to live the way they rejected, the way they rebelled. So they actually began to invent democracy. I don't know if you know this, but on a pirate ship, they took a democratic vote to vote for the captain. And the captain could be unvoted by death. (laughs) They also voted and got a quartermaster who was in charge of the rules and those kinds of things of the ship. And they might fight internally and try to figure their stuff out. But by golly, you better never attack the fellow ship. Because if you did, you got a fellow ship of swords back. Now, I'm thinking that's not that's what this nation could be. Like, we need this, right? We need to be fellows in the ship of the United States. Like, we need to, it's okay, we'll disagree and battle it out, but by golly, when you hit the border, you better not. It's all for one and one for all. And how about the church? Wouldn't it be great if the church was that way? We may have to work out some of our stuff. Maybe might have bitterness that we have to work through, like, as a result of the series. But by golly, when it comes to the world, it's all for one, one for all, and a united front. And I love that view of fellowship, and that's what Paul's saying is, you guys are all the church, you're saved, I'm saved, you're saved. He's now part of that church. He's part of the body of Christ. So when you see him, you see me. You need to extend fellowship. The words, he's more than a slave to you, he is a brother. So he's challenging you to go above and beyond and to live all of this out. And if you think about it, it's like the cake. It takes all the ingredients, right? If you're gonna extend fellowship to somebody who's done you wrong, it takes what? Grace and peace that you have. And a good, solid relationship with God is gonna go a 1,000% because it gives humility. We know what he's done for us. We know he can do it for others. It's gonna take me doing the methods of being kind, loving, and forgiving. We'll never have fellowship again unless I do those things. And then I gotta be ready to reconcile when you are. So just think about that idea of restoring fellowship. Now, sometimes this can't happen. Like when we were doing the illustration with Eric on the stage. If Erica's not ready to reconcile, if she doesn't wanna work things out with God, if she doesn't wanna recognize her wrongs, if I don't wanna recognize mine in the situation, if I'm not ready to reconcile, if she's not ready to reconcile, I can't extend fellowship. It's not even right, it's not safe. Doesn't mean I have to reject her, but I mean, we're not really gonna be fellows on the same ship because we're not on the same ship. There might be times where somebody really gets their stuff right with God, but what they did was such a heinous crime to your family or your kids or whatever that being on the same boat isn't gonna work, but we still need to get in our mind that if they're saved and they've truly reconciled with God and they've repented, that we're gonna be in heaven together. And, And just think about that for a minute. We're all gonna be in heaven together. Everybody who's saved, we're gonna live happily and at peace with each other under the reign of God. What if we started doing that on this earth? What if we saved God some time and didn't wait till the end 
and actually figured out how to live in fellowship here. And that might mean that I need to come back and reconcile for something I've done wrong to you. Or that might mean I need to be ready for you to reconcile. And when you do, to take those awkward steps of being your friend and spending time with you, of treating you like God sees you. And man, those are tough things. And now you begin to see why this is the secret ingredient. Because it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Incredibly counterintuitive to, to be ready to extend fellowship when somebody wants to reconcile. So I just want to read to you another thing that Paul wrote. Let's see if we can't get another angle on what he's talking about. There's a church in Corinth. A lot of bad stuff has been happening. A guy did something wrong, and this is what Paul writes. I'm not overstating it when I say the man who caused you all, all the trouble hurt you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him. In other words, you stood against what he did, and that was punishment enough. Do you hear what he said? That was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and to comfort him. You're going to have to be in fellowship. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Do you see that line? Now, however, it is time to what? Forgive and comfort him, to restore him, to make a way back. The point here is that when somebody reconciles with God, when they make that right and they want to reconcile with you, then we need to be ready for reconciliation and we need to be immediately ready to extend fellowship. That's the same idea. We face it again and again. So really what Paul is saying to Philemon is this. Embrace the grace and peace of God. Step one, week one. Live out kindness, love, and forgiveness, week two. Be ready to reconcile, week three. And then this part of the recipe for a better, bitter, free life is what? Extend fellowship. And you see Jesus' words right now on your screen. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What is our attitude to be to the one who's created bitterness in our lives? It's to hope for them, to hope for their best, to embrace the grace, to let it go, to say you owe me nothing, and to pave a pathway home for them. And when we do that, we can also be reminded of these words from Paul in Romans 12. I give each of you this warning, don't think you're better than you are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. In other words, what? But for the grace of God, every one of us is that person who created bitterness. In fact, probably every one of us has created a better, a bitter situation for somebody. And in some cases, we've never even pursued making it better. We've been the person who didn't want to reconcile, the person who dug their feet in, the person who got in a personal squabble, the person who abandoned, deceited, just did deceit, denied, walked away from. We've all been there. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, don't forget where you came from and be willing to give somebody else a pathway to get to where you are today. And that is counterintuitive and it is difficult. Did I tell you how difficult it is? We're sitting around praying because we just pray. We're church. Some of the staff were sitting around praying. And the topic came up of how hard it is sometimes when people leave when they're upset. But anytime you have a community of believers, especially in a church, everybody's welcome, everybody comes in. And sometimes people don't get it or people get hurt. And it may, you may have nothing to do with it, but it's still hard to watch them go. 
especially if they go, we've all done this or seen it, right? When somebody goes screaming and yelling and pitching a fit and blaming people and creating all kinds of chaos, right? Like we're back in high school. Creating chaos, and then you go, ah, it's so hard. But you work through that, you get the grace and peace of God, you dig into your relationship, and you even extend things. You try to, you know, send them messages on Facebook. You try to be kind and loving and forgiving. And then you actually approach these kind of questions. Because when I think about those people and I pray for them, the question is, if they came back and said they worked it out with God and wanted to reconcile with me, would I really believe it? I'm telling you, this series keeps digging deep into my heart and saying, if you wouldn't believe it, if you're not ready to reconcile, Burrier, then you might still have some bitterness. Man, that's tough. But tougher than that is this. If they were ready to reconcile and I reconciled with them, would I have them over to the house and tell them about my week after they'd drug me all over Facebook? See, this is the reality. It's easy to read these Bible stories. It's easy to read this letter from Paul to Philemon and it all be practical and get a point and go do it. But the bottom line is this was tough for Philemon. He'd been wronged in front of a bunch of people, and they probably all talked about how bad Onesimus was, which means Onesimus is now saved, and Paul's saying, be kind, love, and forgive. Who's the first people that need forgiveness? Probably Philemon and the crew who gossiped about Onesimus leaving. It's humbling, isn't it? And now I'm supposed to just be okay. Hey, you got saved. Everything's great. Come over. Hang out with the family. Have access to my private life. Man, getting somebody on that ship, that's what? That's hard. But that's the call. The call is, it's his words to the Corinthians, Paul's words to the Corinthians. It's time to what? Love and forgive. It may be hard, but it's the secret ingredient. When we extend fellowship. But in order to ever extend that, we have to be willing to do so. I watched an incredible movie that I'm trying to see if I can show for the church and the community for free. You've probably heard about it. If you haven't, you can go watch it because you'll watch it again, I promise you. Called The Jesus uh, Revolution. It's about the church coming to life in the 70s. It's actually a Christian movie that is really good quality, like a real movie with real actors. But it really challenged me because that whole thing started because one church was willing to let hippies who found Jesus, who were all on drugs and everything before that free love, find Jesus, God's love, into the church. And that church that wanted to receive them lost almost all their members because their members were like, uh-uh. And here we see how hard it can be to extend fellowship. We have on that wall over there that we're open, which means that what? John three seventeen. Jesus didn't come to what? Condemn. He came to save. I know that's our heart, and I know we live that out here, but you see how difficult can that be? That promise says we're ready to reconcile. If you're reconciled to God, you're welcome here, and even if you aren't, you're welcome to come here and find out how to do that, but we're going to what? Extend fellowship. These are tough things, easy to look at in a book, in a letter from Paul to Philemon, more difficult when you actually start putting them into practice. I've faced some tough things. There there have been some things that have happened here. Some I've done, some other people have done that are just like bitter and tough. But I keep asking myself, there has to be a way home for them because I'm still here. That's and thank you for always extending fellowship to me. You might not have. 
if you knew me long ago. Will you join me? In your brain right now, think of that person that's been bitter, that maybe there's some hope for reconciliation, or one that's already reconciled, and schedule maybe a coffee with them and take a risk. You're protected by God, and extend fellowship to them this week. Not fellowship so you can feel all heroic, but fellowship because we're all on the boat. And maybe there's some that you can't extend fellowship to. Like you, I've had some things happen in my childhood, and those people probably will never be on the same ship with me, but I hope they get on the big ship, at least in the Navy. And I need to be willing to extend that to them within those boundaries. But, but the question is, will you join me? Because the world that needs Jesus is the world that's screwed up. We gotta learn this internally in our families with the places we work so that we can extend it to the whole world. If you're in, you wanna try to master this step of God's recipe to baking up a better, bitter free life, would you just stand this morning? Because I wanna pray. Father, before you we stand willing to take the most counterintuitive step on the planet, which is to extend fellowship to people who don't even want it and to be ready with every hope in our heart for the day when they do. Don't let us forget who we were. Give us your words and your grace. Help us be willing to take risks of personal injury like you did at the cross to see people find salvation, freedom, hope and purpose in you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Listen, you may uh, need a little help taking a couple more steps with this process. Maybe you need counseling. We have a, a, we have a partnership with the counseling service. We will hook you up. Uh, you might just want to talk through a situation with somebody. There's a bunch of people with shirts that say here to help on this morning. They'll be up here in the living room um, and in the foyer. Grab one. They'd love to talk to you. Um, they have some resources for you. And at the same time, maybe you've just heard this morning, you're like, I really, I, this God thing, I need to get this squared away. I just need to work on me. And then I'll work on getting all the rest of this done. They're here to help people. can help you with that too. Joe said earlier, anybody will help. We specifically put shirts on people so you can find them. But you can ask any of us. We would love to help as you take the walk on your spiritual journey. Now, without further ado, I want to invite you to join us, uh, either streaming or live here in the studio next Sunday for the next step of Heidi's Incredible Chocolate Cake. Again, it may not make sense until next week, but it's cleaning the kitchen. How it sets us up for the next step of the cake and the next cake and the next cake and the next cake. So I hope that you will join us then.